Welcome back, everybody, to episode two of the Untangling Election 2021 podcast, which is your bi-weekly podcast bringing you perspectives on the 2021 Canadian federal election. Today, we're going to be looking at how the campaign's been so far in this first week. So, since the election was called on August 15th, the parties have been pretty busy. The Conservatives released a platform, uh, they addressed abortion and vaccines, the NDP, on the other hand, have been making affordability a big action issue. And finally, well, the Liberals, they've been quiet. So, about a weekend, we're going to look today at who's done the best, who's done the worst, what are our perspectives so far? Let's find out. Joining me today in this podcast, because I cannot do this alone, is Ryan. How are you doing today, Ryan? Oh, I'm doing quite well, Simon, and uh, just thank you so much for having me on, and uh, I was really happy to, to join in on this. No, it's it's my pleasure. I, we haven't caught up in so long. We, we spent about 50 minutes before we started recording just talking about everything from yeah. like, immigration to and, uh, farms. We, we and go stuff. on tangents pretty easily. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, in, introduce yourself, Ryan. Uh, tell the audience, who are you? Yeah, so uh, I'm Ryan. So I graduated last year from University of Waterloo in political science, so like Simon. And I also am in international relations. I will be joining the Norman Patterson School of International Affairs uh, this September. And yeah, kind of going over my political biases. It's always important to talk about these, uh, make sure they're all out on the table. So Personally, I'm uh, definitely left-leaning overall, uh, using like that kind of broad political spectrum. I voted liberal in the past, but that was more so because I liked the candidate in the writing, uh, Bardish Chagger. I I, I despise strategic voting, but admittedly, I strategic voted. So it's it's hard to avoid in a system like ours. So you're saying in some in some regards, Ryan, you're you're the you're the ideal voter to try to win over this election because you honestly, are kind of yeah, mind not made up, but you know traditional Canadian more liberalish social values, and then beyond that, you know you just want what's best for your country, right? Yeah, honestly, in that vein, I'd say I'm uh, not at all a untypical voter. He's just, a, he's just a pretty average person, you know? The prototypical Canadian, uh, because I, uh, for one last little bit of context, I did grow up most of my life in Southern California. So I do kind of have more of an outsider's view on uh, Canadian issues. Not that they're all that different. I don't think it's influenced my political leanings like so radically outside what Canadians are used to, you know? But I mean, I, you, you do have that experience working in a gun holster factory, so. You know, <laughs> yes, of course. I was uh, just going to say one, one thing I find so refreshing uh, between the Canadian and American way of doing elections is the length. My goodness, the U.S., uh, it's just such a drag. Like, it goes on for two years, really, is when uh, campaigns kick off and uh, just saying that I, I like how <laughs> I like how short these ones are in comparison. Uh, it's just nicer. I mean, I, I agree because uh, imagine doing bi-weekly episodes for two years. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody's paying me for this, so that would really oh, take yeah. a strain on me. 
To give a brief introduction to myself as well, for you, for you who might be new, I, like Ryan, am also a bit of an outsider. I immigrated to Canada when I was young from the Netherlands, um, and I still don't have my Canadian citizenship, mainly because it now costs money for me to get, so <laughs> I'm holding off on that. Also, like Ryan, I did my uh, undergraduate at the University of Waterloo in political science and philosophy, and I recently finished uh, and finishing up my master's in international relations, which I did in the Netherlands. So I come here with a great interest in Canadian politics, and I, I real yearn to learn more and talk to more people, which is what this podcast is all about. So speaking about talking to more people, Ryan, you're going to tell me about how you thought this week went, the first week of the campaign. How excited were you for the week to kick off? So like it, it was, um, I guess I was somewhat surprised of the election announcement, more so in that it took this long, uh, because the liberals have been teasing for so long that they're going to they're going to try and do this. And then I kind of, I kind of just forgot about it. You know, like uh, right now I'm moving, I have, haven't have this online class. So I've just been kind of distracted from the news a bit recently. So it was I, I, last week, late at night or something like that. I, I saw the, the announcement. I was like, Oh, like kind of, kind of forgot about that. I kind of forgot that was the plan. So I'm glad it's now finally actually happening. Also, again, just my, I guess, U.S. bias showing uh, just surprised by how soon it is Like in that it's like September 20th, right? Yeah. But yeah. this is the shortest campaign in Canadian history, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not wrong. Yes, I believe so that's it's, true. I was surprised as well that it was so short. So you're not alone. And mm-hmm. I think most of Canada itself, they're still reeling from the announcement. I don't think anybody beyond some of the party diehards are in real true campaign mode, excited for this one. Yeah, exactly. I, I get that impression too. Like uh, it just kind of seems like it was announced and everyone's just like, oh, okay. Now I gotta, now I gotta think. <laughs> what am I gonna vote for? Yeah. And I, I've been hearing a lot too, like uh, what Kevin and I talked about on the, the previous episode, we were saying that we're, the, what the plan here from Trudeau is, is just basically announce it right now and then only start the real real campaign come labor day because that's when people start to listen because i feel like for the rest of this month everybody's just going to kind of look at it with one eye you know um just kind of have it at a distance and then they're only starting to start making up their mind when the summer is over when they're back in school hopefully and then mm-hmm. then we're going to get the real brunt of this campaign but that doesn't mean that this has not been interesting so far Oh no, absolutely. Like uh what I find the most interesting is how uh the the differences in how the parties themselves have approached this kind of sudden announcement. The liberals just very oddly, I and, and it's an interesting strategy like you, you kind of said how like they seem to be waiting. Uh they haven't really done much. Trudeau hasn't really been campaigning and then you compare that to the NDP and the conservatives who have really like they're this, they heard the starting pistol and they're, they're at full sprint, it seems. And so it'll be interesting to see what ultimately wins out. I mean, there's so many factors obviously that go into this, but like just the idea of, do you, like, do you start at a, a full sprint like the conservatives and NDP have, which it, it's understandable why they are, they're doing this. They're they're banking on people just being either like tired of liberals. They're hoping to. I mean, NDP's ultimately trying to siphon votes off the liberals, and then conservatives. They're uh, they're going through an an image shift. You guys kind of briefly touched on this in the uh, last episode. 
how they they have kind of like the two camps. There's like red Tories, I believe it's called, right? Yeah, the more progressive leaning ones, and then the yeah, uh, SoCons are social conservative Tories. Yeah, the social conservatives. So it's <laughs> it's 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 interesting to see what that will yield for the conservatives. It's hard to to reconcile certain viewpoints that major portions of the conservative party has. I personally think that the conservative question about what's going to happen from this campaign is one of the more interesting ones to look at. And it's going to be the ones I'm going to keep my eyes closest upon, I think, during the mm-hmm. next few weeks. But I I think to kind of give some structure to how we're going to approach this topic today, I think we're going to start by looking at how what the big free parties have all done this week. So how does, what they've done, the actions, and how this falls into their grand strategies. And mm-hmm. then afterward, we're going to talk about who we think won, look a bit at the poll numbers, and then, I guess, finish for today. Yeah. So I guess on that note, do we want to start the conservatives or should we maybe give the honor to the liberals? Or maybe, uh, you know, recognize the underdogs, the NDP. Uh, what do you think? What uh, do you think, Ryan? You're, you're the guest. Uh, you can choose. Oh, geez. Uh, well, we'll just do it nice and simple. Just I say start with liberals because they're the ones who called it. it uh, I mean, they're yeah. the ones with the most to lose or gain from this. Yeah, certainly. And I, I think the liberal, like, as we mentioned or hinted at beforehand, they have one of the more interesting missions, which was basically not introduce any new policies, simply just justify this election being called. How how well do you think they did about that this week? Are you, as the average Canadian, as you called yourself, <laughs> are, you, are you happy with uh, Trudeau's explanation for having such a dangerous COVID time election? I, I just really don't know how to feel about it, to be honest. On the one hand, like there's there's always going to be that kind of cynicism uh, that you can view on this of like, like oh, like they're you know they're they're obviously doing it to try and win a majority. Like they they're, they're doing it for themselves. Like to say that they're doing it for Canadians, like eh, are they really? But on the other hand, you know, like a vote like this ultimately could backfire on them, and if that is the wish of the Canadian public. I mean, they, they can't complain. They're saying they're doing it for, for us. So it's interesting. It's an interesting strategy to not like, I guess like backpedal, like it's, it's unsurprising ultimately, despite me saying I was surprised by the, uh, the announcement. Um, they, they're trying to capitalize on their handling of COVID, which despite problems i mean in in an issue as complex as a global pandemic there's not going to be a perfect response to to something like this um and honestly i think overall especially the handling of the vaccine issue they've they've done pretty well like our, our numbers have gotten pretty high compared to a lot of countries and they they seem to have uh actually an article i was reading today uh, said how they kind of under-promised and over-delivered in, in certain respects. They, the targets that they were aiming for during the summer, they exceeded those targets. And I'd say ultimately Trudeau has done as good of a job as one can expect from someone in his position. It'll be interesting to me to not going off on too much of a tangent to the NDP, but the NDP definitely seemed to have had a hand in certain things being passed that the liberals might try to take credit for. Like uh, apparently the CERB payments were increased uh, on the insistence of the NDP and the um, CEWS, the 
work payment program. Um, same thing, apparently the NDP got them to increase how much of, of paychecks, like the percentage of the paychecks would be covered. And so I think like liberals are going to try and capitalize on, on that, you know, like it, it's, it's hard to, for the NDP to truly claim credit to things in, uh, in, in a wider sense. Um, like it, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see like how does the wider electorate uh, recognize these things because um, it's easy to bury that kind of stuff. Ultimately, it's the liberals banking on people being not necessarily happy, but uh, least disappointed with how the pandemic has been handled. Um, and I think that is what's going to be their best shot at either maintaining their seat count or going for the majority that they are aiming for. Yeah, it's, it's some interesting thoughts there, because obviously, beyond just the fact that call an election, their, their response to COVID has been, I think, what their main platform issue is that they're going to really push or really going to highlight to the general public. Because as we know, the reason, well, what I suspect the reason they called the election was because they're polling the best they've had in like four or five years. And mm-hmm. that's probably due to the fact they responded so well to COVID. So we've seen in the past few days, we've seen their polling slip a bit, tumble a bit. And what that's probably due to them calling the election, which, as I think most Canadians are, we're quite confused about why. Well, we were kind of anticipating it was going to come, but none of us are very enthusiastic about it. It's not mm-hmm. something we were we were praying to the gods for, so to say. Um, yeah. I, I do think this week, the, the, the mission that Trudeau had set for him was just to justify, is there a good reason to call an election now? And I think overall, he's been doing okay. If we look at the news, the, there's been a lot less stories covering why the election was called, and they're just kind of moving on to covering everybody else. So, any thoughts on that, Ryan, before we move on to the NDPs? Um, yeah, no, I just uh, like... Ultimately, the, the justification for it, you know, I don't think it really matters all that much in the grand scheme of things. Like, um, kind of what I, you I would t- agree, actually, with what I've been reading. I, it does seem like the, the justification, it seems like a big deal. I think parties are making a big deal out of it. But I feel like most Canadians are looking at it as an, oh, it's been called. Now we move on. Instead of yeah. saying, damn you, Trudeau, for condemning us to another months of COVID due to this election. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, Anyways, it's something I don't think that, like, say the conservatives were in their shoes, like, you know, minority government going through the pandemic and mm-hmm. handling it decently well. I could see them doing the same exact thing. Like, it's uh, yeah. we. That's uh, the thing about democracy is we try to pretend that you know, like, it's it's all for the people by the people. But yeah. you know, there's going to be these cynical plays, and it's just it just happens and. I, I do like how people in general seem to, to yeah, just be like, okay, whatever, it happened. Um, I think that does kind of explain the slight dip in their polls, uh, polling numbers. Um, it's just like kind of the initial yeah. shock of it. But I expect I in the next couple of weeks that uh, they'll they'll be probably back up. Like, I don't think this is going to be uh, indicative of like, oh, no, like we messed up. Well, that we shouldn't have done that, mm-hmm. like. And I, th- I think your point, especially from here, is that I think every other political party would have probably done the same. I don't think nobody looks, nobody believes that maybe the conservatives or the NDPs would have acted better in this situation. But, yeah, everyone tries to act high and mighty, but ultimately <laughs> politics has that cynicism to it that's just going to be there. Like the, that just cold calculation of like, well, 
this might work out for us, so let's do it. Like it's, yeah. it's just what it is. And one final brief little point I had to make on the liberals before we moved on mm-hmm. is I think you mentioned this too, is that the they haven't been doing much campaigning. I, I think no. Trudeau has technically sat out about six days. And I think he finally, I think yesterday, uh, flew out to Victoria and Vancouver mm-hmm. Island. And now he's kind of making his way down uh, down Calgary, Winnipeg area. I, th- I yeah. think all the leaders are kind of colliding in Saskatchewan around there, which is an odd place to collide. But, uh, the battleground uh, of the country. <laughs> yeah. Any uh, any thoughts on why, why Trudeau was so Get slow there. to start? My in, like gut impression is it it's intentional strategic move. As you and Kevin kind of discussed in last episode, the Liberals know how to run a campaign. They're very good at it. It's it's something that they have the skill, good organization, and I think ultimately what they're trying to accomplish here is unlike the other parties, which they know that they're going to be starting off strong, like they're. They're going to they start. The polls. They have the support. Yeah, exactly. In, in theory, the liberals should be winning this in theory. Right? Yeah. So what I'm thinking is that they're they're starting slow and steady and they're going to really ramp up things as the as the weeks move on. Because um, I think that's ultimately what might be an issue for the other two is they've started maybe too strong and it's mm. uh, you got to keep that momentum up. You got to keep people interested. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a great way to transition maybe to the NDPs. Mm-hmm. There, I, I think they've had a pretty good start so far. They've, they've captured some headlines. Seeing yeah. as I think only really had positive uh, appearances so far, and and he's been campaigning hard down in uh, BC. Do you have any impressions up then? Some things you want to share? Yeah, so I think uh, Singh knows his strengths, which is he's by far the most charismatic out of all of the candidates. He... I mean, Eve's Bunchette. I, I love that man. <laughs> well, see, like I'd say he's also charismatic, but he <laughs> plays to his voters, which is very localized region. So mm-hmm. he doesn't need to be charismatic to the rest, whereas Singh does need to be charismatic for the whole country. And I think he does a good job of presenting himself very positively. You know, even uh, even if you don't vote for the NDP, generally speaking, I'd say like the average Canadian, it's my impression at least, that uh, that they you view them pretty favorably. That being said, that's kind of always been the NDP's issue lately is that like, oh, everyone thinks he's awesome. He's a great guy. But then they just never do that well. And it never really translates to uh, actual votes, which... I do think um, out of all the parties, they get harmed the most by the electoral system because the, uh, strategic voting is just such a such a big aspect of Canadian politics. The NDP, I think they just they suffer from that uh, so much. And it's it, it's a big question of whether or not Singh can truly translate his uh, kind of PR into actual votes. You know, he, he, I think overall has the best PR amongst the candidates, um, the least amount of scandals, um, least amount of baggage. I mean, he really doesn't have anything that I know of at least, but it can never really seem to translate into actual votes for the NDP. And I think this election in particular will be really important for them. Can they galvanize not just their base, which which they seem to do, at least people who vote NDP will consistently vote NDP. 
but it's it's a matter of um, ultimately getting <laughs> liberal votes their way, and that yeah, that's the big question. And you know, he's uh, Singh has started off strong, but he always does, and then they always peter out. So it's uh, like from a pure like historical view. Uh, if past elections are any indication, they're probably just going to stay where they are, which is third-party status. They can't seem to break that mold. Um, I mean, technically they've broken it. It's technically the fourth party right now by seats. Oh, they have block back a lot. Oh, that's oh my goodness! You're right. I completely forgot about that. So yeah, like they, they, they can't. I I will make a prediction. I do think they'll regain that third party status. I, I do yeah. think they'll gain seats, and I, I think what they've been doing this week has been it has been moving in the right directions to for to make that a reality. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking at what Singh's campaign has been looking like, he's been mainly on the road in BC trying to establish that core base there. Which means maybe poaching off a, a renegade green seat or here, a <laughs> yeah. renegade green seat or two here and there. Maybe poaching a few of those liberal seats as well, and really building a bit more orange coalition down in BC. Which I think, the, I mean, right now the provincial government in BC is NDP uh, mm-hmm. by a majority margin. It's something that I think is feasible to happen, and I think he's really been focusing in the right places there. Yeah, and you can kind of really see in all the main issues he's been preaching this week. Um, he's made a really big deal about affordability. He has been promising more money to people who are struggling with rent. Made some promises that way. He mm-hmm. released a massive uh, platform, which uh, it's going to be interesting to cost that, but it has a <laughs> lot of promises, which I think people will love. And uh, just to give you a hint of what our schedule looks like, I think I think in a few days we'll be releasing an episode discussing that. And finally, he's also been getting some good pictures out there. I, I think he recently, I think today, visited uh, a former residential school in Saskatchewan. So mm-hmm. I guess looking at his moves, Ryan, uh, before we move on to the Conservatives, I think he's had a good week. Do you think he's been living up to that third party status that we all want to see him regain? Yeah, no, I, I think he has. Like, you know, not to, to harp on about how he just never seems to get the votes. I think this time in particular is the best best showing he's touching on issues that like me myself i I find very important uh, especially the rent issue and just cost of living it's something that the other parties really haven't touched on much um and it's something that just needs to be addressed like i I recently just signed on to a a new apartment and like it's, it's so expensive like uh even in a city like ottawa which is where i live right now like I'm not even dealing with Toronto or Vancouver prices and and I'm still like the hurting from my rent. It's it's something that needs addressing and you know like uh, it's just doesn't seem to be at the forefront of other parties like they I'm sure they've touched on it. I know like the, the conservatives have at least talked about it. Some promises in that regard. They've made promises, yeah. But, uh... The NDP, I think, have really been pushing really been the ones pushing that issue to spot. Yeah, and, and I, if I was going to say I mean, sure, cost of living is a term that I think the conservatives are preaching. I think the NDPs are really in the affordability aspect mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think um, they're they're making a more uh, serious push towards it in a more in a broader sense too. Like so, like the the liberals at least they're really pushing their um, child care plan. I don't know what to call it initiative whatever it's like ten dollar ten dollar a day child care i think i I don't know the catchy title but um, yeah ten dollar a day i guess get rid of your child for 10 bucks in a day yeah which it's it's absolutely an an important um aspect of just cost of living in general 
but it's it's only one part. And I think the NDP has shown that they're they're the ones taking it the most seriously, the ones looking at it in a more holistic way. Uh, so I think that is what will ultimately earn them more votes. I think that mm. could could yield them some good results. I don't think it's going to be enough for them to, you know, become opposition. Like that's that's out of the yeah, cards for I, sure. I agree. Uh, but to firmly put themselves back into proper third party status, and to I think what what they need the most in a long term sense is to entrench themselves better and to to make steady gains each election. But let's let's turn to the last one we haven't looked at of the major parties, the, the conservatives. Mm-hmm. So, so we, we've talked a little bit about the conservatives already in our brief introduction. We talked about beforehand and some of our impressions of them. Um, so let's just go over a bit of what they've been up to this week. Because they've had, I think, probably the busiest week of all of the candidates. Uh, mm-hmm. Except for, I mean, I feel like Jagmeet Singh has been busy with his traveling. Uh, I think O'Toole spent most of the week locked in a hotel room, basically, <laughs> before he flew out to uh, uh, Alberta. Mm-hmm. But anyways... Uh, Back onto the main issues. So the beginning of the week, I think two days in, they released a platform, which it didn't bother to do last time around, which uh, was accompanied with a very handsome picture of O'Toole in the front. Oh, yes. <laughs> and it had a bunch of promises, 60, 100 pages full of good, juicy content. I think we'll release a review episode on that in the new future as well, but we'll get some reactions in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then moving onwards... The first question which plagued them all, I remember listening to, I think it's post-conference after releasing it, vaccinations and how O'Toole is going to handle vaccinations. Mm-hmm. Because part of his party vote, at least a small percentage, are against the vaccine and against vaccinations. And the Liberal Party had just committed to making vaccines mandatory for all federal workers. So O'Toole was almost dogged for about a day without being able to answer that question properly. And the full media sphere was going a bit crazy with, oh, is this is this going to be his sheer issue again? where he couldn't talk about abortion properly and that really mm-hmm. probably caused his defeat there but the next day o'toole came back and was like well everybody either vaccines or daily testing and he made it very resolute and clear which many commentators appreciated uh, regardless of your opinions on how good that of a stance that is and then the next day he gave him a bigger surprise he clarified his position on abortion which i did not expect him to do mm-hmm. so resolutely basically he said um I'm pro-choice, which is a big statement coming from him as a leader. And it's not his position to interfere with whatever's going on, which some of the pro-life camp a bit up in arms. But ultimately, it's a clear position. It's been a clear week. And has it been a clear success, Ryan? Um, yeah, it's, I, I think, like, honestly, first impression-wise, I think they're doing a good job. Uh, just from, you, you know, clarifying two two points that are kind of a a sticky issue for the conservatives looking at it from uh, just O'Toole is, is trying to court the, the undecided vote. Um, And this is how you do it. Like it, for the conservatives, they do have that baggage of social conservatism really isn't popular in Canada in a wide uh, or on a broad view of the, the country as a whole. You know, certain obviously certain areas of the country differ on this, but it's it's going to be the thorn in the conservative side, and I think really it, it's uh, going to be a question of how well does O'Toole manage that. And I think so far he has he has done it pretty well. I mean, especially from my like U.S. point of view, the fact that he just is clarifying his view on abortion 
it's just funny that the difference to me between Canada and the U.S. Like in in the U.S., if the conservative or like you know Republican candidate said that, it would be political suicide for them. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, it's it's kind of the opposite. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of reaffirming to voters that um, he's not going to try and do anything crazy. I think that's kind of what people. Or it might be a little apprehensive in regards to the conservatives of like, so if the conservatives get into power, are they going to try and mess with laws like that, like abortion issues? Um, are they going to try and reverse things? And he kind of has to, he has to assure those, those voters that he's not. And I think so far he has been doing a good job at that. Yeah, because what I've seen it more, I think the party has been pretty smart, the conservative party, and to realize that they're not going for people, they're not going for the votes of people who don't believe in vaccines or don't or who are pro-life because they already have those votes. Who else are they going to vote for? The PPC who is polling at like (laughs) 3%, 2% now? That's not a viable choice. And they're smart. They're going to vote conservative anyways. And then it becomes a question of the swing voters like yourself, Ryan. Your social values are not in alignment with the the social conservative values. Oh, yeah. So then it's a no-brainer to come out as pro-choice, to come out as accepting of vaccines. Uh, so it's I, I really feel like it's it's more of a push to get those undecided voters on board because he doesn't need to convince the people who are anti-vaccine to vote for him. The vote is probably already going his way. So Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of where the, uh, to bring up strategic voting again, pro-life people, like realistically probably aren't going to vote for the people's party because of this, you know, like it, it's ultimately like that would, they know that's going to harm the conservatives overall. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there's not much there that they have to worry about. Of, of I don't think they're going to lose too many votes to the people's party. Um, so it, it is a matter of, of courting the most middle position and, and he's been doing a good job at that. And, um, Another thing too is the party platform, <laughs> just uh, so such a complete 180 compared to last time, uh, where they posted it the night before the election. Which, uh, you know, whatever side it- even that last time that was not a very substantial platform. Oh, no, if I, if I recall, it was pretty short, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And um, anyways, and regardless of your political leanings, like that is just a foolish thing to do. That um, and so they've really learned from that, I think, and. I gave uh, I gave the platform a, a quick read through, but yeah, they they it's good. They've very clearly outlined what they plan to do. They've given numbers behind a lot of things, very explicit kind of directives, what they will try to do, how they will try to do it. Which for me, I think is always really important. It's parties can promise things all the time. They can make these kind of grand gestures, but ultimately you're gonna have to pay for it you're gonna have to implement it and the more you describe how you'll try to do that the better in my eyes i I like seeing stuff like that now i'm not commenting yet on how i feel on all the specifics because there's certainly things i disagree with in their platform but there there are surprisingly amount of things that i do agree with um so i am very pleasantly surprised by just (laughs) how how much they definitely seem to realize what a big mistake it was from last election yeah and i I think a big point they're trying to make is uh is not the conservative party of yesteryear they're trying to improve Mm -hmm. their image per se Mm -hmm. i I, I know this piece of trivia will work on you uh ryan but guess how how old is trudeau 
Oh, Trudeau, I know he was in his 40s when he was elected, but he's probably, what, 50 right now, I'm going to guess. 49, I believe, okay. uh, from what I read the other day. Right, so, close. 49. Pretty so. close. How old is uh, Tool? I know he's younger. He's, what, yeah, then- 45? 44? He's like 47, 48. Okay. <laughs> so he is younger, but they're trying to make a big deal about him being this new image, this new conservative image. Mm-hmm. And I guess even like the picture of the platform of him just in his black tee looking all Yeah. Oh yeah. Looking, looking like he's in the gym. Directly at the camera. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's funny, but uh, I, I see what they're trying to do, but the, the thing is, O'Toole does not look younger or more. Well, yeah, that's Trudeau, the thing. So. <laughs> sure. He's literally younger, but he doesn't look younger. <laughs> yes. Yes, uh, con- being a conservative supporter adds a few years to your life, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> but uh, anyways, uh, we should move on before I make any more too extreme remarks. Ah, uh, yes. But, uh, yeah. We've gone through the parties. Who won, Ryan? Who had the best week? Ah, man, week? like if you really want to go purely just by the polls, then, you know, technically the conservatives have... And I think it's too hard to say. I don't think you can really say anyone's won. You know, like the first week of an election, even one is short. Well, who's, who's won the week? Who's been the best this week? Who would you say as a voter has done the most for you this week? <sighs> I, I mean, I, I guess I'll go conservatives purely from the platform okay. point of view. Just for me personally, I like the fact that it's one, they've actually done it this time. Two, they are clear on what they're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. They're clear on how they will try to accomplish it. And then uh, just the fact, now this is just more of a personal nitpick. It's all in one place. It's all in one one like PDF file. You don't have to click through a yeah. website to find it, like what it seems like with the other two parties right now. Good uh, UI design. <laughs> yeah, it's just nice. It's, For the victory. It's easy. It's You just look through it. And I like stuff like that. But, you know, ultimately that's... It's window dressing. I don't know if it's enough to convince me to vote conservative because I think the the social conservative side of things is, uh, for me personally, it's just it's too much. I'm not convinced enough that O'Toole can can rein in that side of the party. Maybe this is a bit unfair because this didn't happen this week. But when they uh, had their party conference a few months ago, where he publicly said that he is taking climate change seriously that, you know, it's, it's a man-made issue. It's something that we have to tackle. And then his party voted to specifically, I forget exactly what it was like to, to not admit that it, it's a, like, it's a man-made issue, which like, that's, that's not good optics like that. Uh, that shows me that there is some element in the party that is going to push back on certain things. And, and for me, like at this in this day and age, it, it's silly to politicize environment change or like climate change. The science is so behind it uh, to, to double down on on just pretending it's not a human problem is silly to me. I, I think for me personally, that's why I likely won't vote conservative. I just not convinced it's still saying it's been a strong showing this week. Yes, yes. Looking, that, looking at it from a neutral perspective, mm-hmm. the conservatives. Yeah, I didn't want to get ahead. too ahead of myself there. Uh, I, yeah, it, I, I wasn't asking for your soul and blood or whatever. I know, I know. <laughs> but, uh, 
Um, I, I would also say like the NDPs have been pretty good as well. I, I think the affordability agenda, as much as like the, the conservatives are claiming ownership of that, I think Jagmeet Singh has been stealing some headlines, really promoting yeah. that. So, you know, honorable mentions to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll be surprised to see how they'll do next week, how it's going to go. Yeah, it was um, uh, hard for me to, 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 to truly say there because I think the, at least the, the two NDP conservatives have both had a strong showing. And then liberals, I think it's just too early to say. They, I think it's a very yeah. deliberate strategy of taking yeah. it easy at first. And I'm sure sure in the next few weeks, they'll be really ramping up. And uh, to end out this, uh, this this segment, can I propose to you the loser of the week? Loser of the week. And, I, <laughs> and that is going to be resolutely the PPC, the People's Party. Yeah. Canada, because it emerged this morning that they were not invited to the official debates. Oh really? I did not. I didn't hear that. Okay, yes, well, or then. just afternoon, a few hours ago. So, did you know actually that uh, our former, uh, the former chancellor of Waterloo, uh, David Johnston, is now head of the debate commission? Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but anyways, he he released a he released a a thing where he says that to be able to qualify for debates, you need to be polling at least in the first eight days of the campaign or something at four percent support. <laughs> And uh, the PPC and uh, the combined polls have right now 3.27% support. Mm, yeah. So, I don't... Unfortunately, we won't see Bernier's chaotic interruptions. Oh, my goodness. Then balancing the budget in two years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's fitting. I think the debates will be a bit more, you know, civilized, if I can say so. I remember they were quite, quite chaotic. Yeah, I don't know if you remember watching they the first were, one in 2019. Yeah. That was a complete mess of Bernier just yelling at people. And people were like, he has like 5% support at the time. Yeah. Anyways, before I rant on too much, <laughs> should we... Uh, I'm going to give a brief poll update for those who might not be listening. So today is August 21st, um, the great day that I turned 24, by the way. So just Oh, saying, yeah, I totally forgot. Though. Happy birthday. I mean, I did message you, but yeah. just to say it here. <laughs> just to brag on the podcast, yeah. I got to mention it. But uh, anyways, we had a few polls come in. Uh, so like the CBC projected poll, the chance of the Liberal Party winning a majority has gone down from our episode the other day from about 40% to 34%. Mm, yes, yes. However, their chance of winning a minority has risen, which is not good news, I guess, <laughs> to uh, 55%. Um, um, yeah. And the chance of uh, the, the Conservatives winning a minority has risen to 10% chance, which is not very high no and the, and the chance of the conservatives winning majority has actually materialized at the grand total of one percent one percent but it's more than the zero percent or whatever it was yes uh, a few days ago so there have been some gains and other uh like i think like the nanas poll shows that the overall support for the liberal party has been down 5.4 percent i believe and the conservatives have risen 4.8 percent mm-hmm. um but it's interesting it's very interesting I think also very interesting to note, um, beyond the public support, which doesn't really show this, but if we look at the projected seat counts uh, that, the end, that the parties will gain, right now, the Liberals are projected uh, to finish average at about 160 seats, which is 10 short of a majority, yes. uh, which is up from their current count of 155. However, the Conservatives are projected to drop from the current count of 119 to 111. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, the, the NDP have a current count of 24 and are projected to rise to 39. So I just want to emphasize that the NDP, they're making most of their gains not, I guess, in public support, but more per se 
in gaining seats. Yes. And uh, any reactions, brief reactions before we move on to finishing off this podcast? Not to our really polls? surprising. Um, that's kind of what I've been just, I guess, imagining in my head. Like liberals stay about the same. Yeah, like, you know, five seat gains, but doesn't really change the calculus of a minority government. I'd say maybe a little surprised that the conservatives would lose seats, but then again, I as well. I, but I, I think it's just simply because it's like they they have a eleven percent chance of forming government in any form, majority or minority, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it stands to reckon that they might lose some in the average scenario they're projecting. But regardless, yeah, and then of course with projections, they they are just that yeah, projections. It's, so it's certainly nothing set in stone just to give a give a little shout out to the greens because we haven't really talked about them at all uh (laughs) them going down to one seat not surprising at all they've uh they've been really screwing up their historic (laughs) gains of the three seats (laughs) i mean yeah i mean i do hope for um elizabeth may's sake it's her seat that wins Mm -hmm. they probably will be it, it's it definitely will be, but yeah, <laughs> no worries. Yeah, I guess we're nearing the end of our time allotted for today, Ryan. Mm-hmm. So before we move on, I want to finish with a quick personal question, which you haven't been prepped on. Okay, so I like to finish most podcasts I do of you know a semi-related question, which you know tells people a bit more about who you are, yeah. how fun of a person you are, you know. Oh, fun. Okay, so uh, <laughs> let's say. Because you're on a podcast right now. It's your first podcast you've ever done. Let's say you, you grow enthusiastic. You pick up this hobby, you know. Mm-hmm. Let's say you're forced to start a podcast with one of the candidates on a topic that's not politics. What topic would that be on? So, like, so they would be the host as well? Like, it would be... They'd be co-hosting with you every episode on a topic that's not politics. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I just, like, I guess Gut would be saying, like, he just seems the most sociable easiest to talk to uh just could talk about anything i i know he's uh he's a big lover of the outdoors uh apparently he was a model at one point a model, so imagine yeah. starting like a fashion podcast <laughs> yeah i mean i'm not, not uh, that you're the most fashionable person i know oh, Ryan, thank but, uh, you wow <laughs> so generous uh but yeah i think him uh i don't know like i don't know any of them personally so i don't know what they're interested in so I was thinking maybe start like a travel podcast with Trudeau because I feel like his father was very well traveled. Yeah, and I feel like he has a ton of interesting stories, and he seemed like he was a pretty enthusiastic college student too. So you know that always uh, brings out the best in people. See, I'm a I'm a lover of history, so the non politics aspect of this is uh, hard for me to to choose then because. Inevitably, would, would you consider starting like a history podcast of O'Toole because he did serve in armed forces? Yeah, so that's what I, I was thinking. Knowledge. I was thinking that too. I'm uh, no, it's uh, <laughs> it's just like a hard one to hard one to say just because I, I don't know what like what would interest them most. And I just what would interest you most? That's oh, history. Like I, I love history, I could talk for hours and hours about it. Any mm. any time period, I'd any country. I'd love to to do a deep dive and it's so easy to project our, you know, modern understanding of things onto to people in the past. Like, oh, like they would think like this or like this, but there's so many like conceptualizations that just wouldn't exist at the time. And trying to really understand how people 
how they really thought about it. Like that, that's really interesting to me. I, I could I could see that. That's a that seems like something that we could look out for in the future. Someday. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, well, thank you for coming on today with me, Ryan. I'm sure I'm going to have you on in the future again. Uh, sometime we'll talk about whatever's going on in the future. Yeah. Maybe we'll jump in on episode oh, I'd two. love this to. I, I'm just happy to, to have been a part of it. Uh, I, I always remember the Waterloo Pisa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, <laughs> the model you <UN>. yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyways, if you did enjoy this podcast as well, uh, please consider liking, subscribing, sharing with your friends and family, just spreading the word, helping this little podcast grow, find its legs in this world. And if you have any uh, things you want us to talk about, any other questions you want to leave us, leave a comment below. I'll, I'll read them all. I promise you that. And if you also want to be on a podcast, also reach out to me. I'm more than willing to replace Ryan at a moment's notice. Oh, of course, so. of course. I, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm expendable. I understand. <laughs> nah, I joke. You're, you're amazing to have on, Ryan. Oh, well, thank but anyways, you yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And I think we'll be back in a few days with an episode on the NDP platform. So catch you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.